Hey, it's Charlotte. It's Shelby. It's Riley. And And it's it's time time to smut smut up and listen. Just a reminder for today's episode and all future episodes, our opinions are subjective. We don't advocate for kink shaming or author shaming. This is all in good smutty fun. Enjoy. Today's episode trigger warnings are explicit sexual content. And I have another review to read. This one is from E-R-I-R-I-C-K-9-1. <laughs> it says, hella soaked for this podcast. Currently binging all the episodes for the books I've already read, and I can't wait to listen to more as I plow through my never-ending smutty TBR. I'm in a spicy book club with three of my smut aficionado BFFs, so being able to hear the squeals of excitement from a smut newbie has been such a fun experience. I've loved all of the episodes so far, and it's been a really really fun way to experience some of my favorite books again without having to commit to a full reread. This is the only podcast that I catch myself actually laughing out loud while listening. Keep up the good work, friends. Sincerely, your fellow horny little rat. Oh, that's so nice. Cutie. Thank Thank you. you. This is going to be our official announcement that we are taking a break in between season one and season two. This is going to be our last episode until our teaser episode comes out on April 28th. And we'll be back with full official episodes the first Wednesday of May. And our schedule will continue as normal. But we'll miss you guys. We'll miss you. It'll be so weird. It will be good. A nice little break. Yeah. It's needed. Yeah. We've been reading a lot. And this week, all three of us are telling Riley's husband, Andrew, about trans wizard Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasaurolophus. That's a hard word to say, Parasaurolophus, by Chuck Tingle. And we're going to have Andrew look at the cover, and he's going to give us his best guess on what this one may be about. And I want you to really just look at it, because the longer you look at the cover, the better it gets. Okay, we got a motorcycle with a head. (laughs) A mammoth. The fuck is... That's got to be the Parasapuculus. Is that the star of David or just that's just a star? Okay, it's just a star. I was gonna say that's gonna make it even weirder. Um, what do you think it's gonna be about? I think she's mentally insane, and because the only book she can get her hand on is Harry Potter. Harry Potter, Harriet Porber. And I just want to say I'm in the middle of binging Harry Potter fan fiction right now. Like I'm doing a Dramini thing, and this book really fucked me up because I'm. <laughs> Like oh. tandem reading. I could only imagine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the difference. <laughs> Did you say Germoiny? Dramini. So oh. it's like Draco and Hermione just mwah, 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 kissing. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Back for another 15 minutes of fame. Um, <laughs> if you like how I sound or whatever, you want to hear more of me, go check out Good Critic, Bad Critic. It is a great new movie podcast with my host friend, Paramore Guile. I meant to say. Paramore? I don't know where that came from. I was going to say a <laughs> pair of hosts. But that doesn't even make any sense. I was trying to do like a virus thing. I'm losing it. Anyway, you're not going to check it out. It's fine after all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah, go. We'll plug it for him because that wasn't a very good um, advertisement. Nope. Yeah, if you guys like movies. Uh-huh. And if you like, like a movie buff, yeah, like a good cop, bad cop type of thing. Good analysis of movies too. Yeah, one of them likes the movie, one of them doesn't, right? Regardless of how we really feel. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty it's cool. Good. And they're yeah, funny. it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, revolutionary, never been done before, never ever. My quote is for Andrew this week. 
And my quote for you, Andrew, is, The dinosaur is damn near comically toned, his rugged prehistoric shape, something that shouldn't exist outside of the pages of a fitness magazine or romance book cover. That doesn't do anything for me. You don't like a ruggedly prehistoric shaped dinosaur? No, I like Land Before Time style dinosaurs. (laughs) Don't you So, Littlefoot? Yes, Littlefoot, no abs. All right, and mine is... It's so enormous that it actually startles me, staring down this bardic python as it sways in the fresh forest air. That's just could be about anything. (laughs) It's what you think it is. The breathtakingly handsome dinosaur stands and undoes his belt, slipping out from the last of his clothes as he climbs onto the bed with me. Breathtakingly handsome dinosaur. (laughs) Dinosaurs? Did you see the Cotterolophus? Yeah, no, I get it now. He's a bad boy. It's not boy. Harry Potter, it's Harriet Porber. Right, uh-huh. of course, Harriet. <laughs> Harriet Porber is a wizard by trade, but she can't just swish her wand around and cast a spell. It doesn't work like that. So they have to like develop spells in the magic industry and like piece them together before you can just like use them. That's an engineer. It's not a wizard. She is an engineer. Yeah, of magic. Mm-hmm. I'm out. She prefers it this way because that's how she developed a wizarding career with Without any previous experience in the magic industry, but she's only had one hit spell since graduating, and that was Bubbly Morpheus, which makes a collection of magical bubbles showing scenes from the caster's life. She's trying to create another hit spell, but is having a really hard time. Her phone vibrates and she picks it up, knowing it could only be one person. Her spellcraft agent, Minerma. <laughs> She asks if she's written anything yet, and she says no. She's outside her apartment, so Harriet buzzes her in. We learn that Minerma is a non-magic person, but loves all things magic, so that's why she became a spellcraft agent. Minerma learns that Harriet also hasn't written a word of a new spell in three weeks, and she doesn't want to pressure Harriet, but she's like, you gotta develop something sooner or later. Gotta hurry it up, bitch. Harriet tries not to freak out since she did write one of the most best-selling spells, but Minerma says it's not good enough they need more than a one-hit wonder spell she tells harriet that she needs to get out and experience something and maybe a change of scenery will help her write a new one she offers her vacation home for harriet to use and she tells harriet it's on poor torque island (laughs) (laughs) off the coast of england and she says okay sounds good she gets to the island and it's beautiful she is on a ferry and she goes to where her car is parked And there are a couple of motorcycles. (laughs) And these are sentient motorcycles, okay? When I read this, I literally was like, did I read that right? (laughs) One is blonde and one is a redhead. Motorcycles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh Familiar. (laughs) They're sitting at a table and gossiping loudly, and one of them stops Harriet and asks her name. She gives it, and the biker chick says, nice shoes, but she's clearly making fun of Harriet's shoes. Very Regina George. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's such a mean girl. The two motorcycles share an inside joke, and Harriet (laughs) starts to walk away, and she knows that she's been bullied for far worse being a trans woman living in New York, so she's like, whatever. She does turn around, though, and says that they don't look like they're from around here, and the redhead one says, nope, we're from L.A., Bogmort School for Wizards before that. <laughs> <laughs> and we worked for the groundskeeper, Magrid. <laughs> Magrid. I love that. I'm not even trying. <laughs> it's just changing one letter. <laughs> Harriet asks for their names, and they introduce themselves as Delatrix and Braco. <laughs> 
Harriet asks what brings them to an island, and they say that they're there to meet a friend, and she's like, okay, cool, and then leaves the area to go get her car. When she gets to Minerva's cabin, fully prepared to get to work, she sets her laptop up, she's ready to dive in, and then there's loud, thunderous thumps that rattle the whole cabin. She goes outside to see what's going on, and once the door is open, she now recognizes a noise as a large rock and roll drum kit being amplified by something in the cabin next door. When she looks to the other cabin, she sees Della Trix and Braco parked at one of the cabins in the yellow fancy car, and now she's fucking pissed. So she stomps over there, but it's so loud they don't hear her knocking, so she kicks at the door and demands that they come outside. When she goes to kick it again... There in the doorway is a tall, breathtakingly handsome dinosaur, shirtless and chiseled (laughs) in all of his muscular glory. (laughs) He's covered in tattoos, giving his scary green canvas an even more exotic edge, and his eyes are wide and yellow. His face is covered in perfectly timed five o'clock shadow, not long enough to be a beard, but nicely emphasizing his dark features and strong jaw. His hair is long and dark, providing an angsty gothic frame to his handsome mug. He appears to be a parasophilophilus. Parasaurolophus. 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 A pair of solophus. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you said scary. Scaly, damn it. Well. (laughs) (laughs) He's not scary. He's scaly. He's scaly. Giving it mm, scary green. Scaly green. (laughs) He can be scary. It's fine. (laughs) If Chuck Tingle can get away with changing one letter, so can Andrew. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank God. I don't think you're ready for this, Andrew. He introduces himself as Snabe, (laughs) and he has a British accent. (laughs) Snabe. Snabe. She's speechless because he's just so handsome. He asks if she's all right, and she finally says yes. And then she tells him that he's making an awful lot of noise. He tells her he's writing parts for a song spell he's working on and offers for her to come in. He openly checks her out, and then something clicks. Oh my god, I blurt. Are you Snape Resmore, the bard from Seven Inch Nails? (laughs) When we're recording, I'm the whole band, actually, he confirms. Singer, guitarist, today I'm the drummer. What? It just clicked in my head that it's Trent Reznor. <laughs> that it's Resmore. Okay. Resmore is because of Trent Reznor, the guy from Nine Inch Nails. Oh. Don't act like you know who that is. Yeah. Okay, bitch. <laughs> I, like, I want to be a part of it. Why is he in a band all of a sudden? Because he's a bad boy. <laughs> he is a yeah. bad boy. Bad boy Parasophilarolophus. <laughs> what is it again? Parasolophus. Parasolophus. Paras. Parasaurolophus. Parasaurolophus. I did a lot of Googling to figure out how to say it. So we better say it right. That's one of her favorite bands, and she's trying not to fangirl, but tells him that she is a huge fan, and he says the feeling's mutual, which doesn't make any sense. He's a fan of her bubble spell. Oh, that's right. But he doesn't know who she is. Are you linked to your spell? Like, it says author underneath? Yeah, people know who it is. Like, who created that spell. Oh. Right? Yeah. Because she's part of, like, an agency. she introduced herself, though. But he knows. Uh, he's the stalker then. He's Snape. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows. knows all. She asks him to please keep it down because she's trying to work and the drums literally are shaking her house and he tells her no. She asks if they can reach a compromise and he again says no. He's going to continue to be the asshole of the story. She's like, what do you mean by this? And he tells her, I'm a meta magic bard. Remember, I create magical spells that draw on a meta awareness of the tingle verse. So I'm well aware this is a bad boy romance novel and I've got a job to do. Trust me, I don't 
don't love acting this way either. I guess it's just important to remember just because a fictional character is a jerk, it doesn't mean the author is too. Likewise, if a fictional character is sweet and awesome, their author could still be really awful and bigoted. Yeah, JK Rowling. She says, okay, but why are you telling me this? And he says he isn't. He's telling the reader. Delatrix rolls her tires over and tries to tease Harriet about her shoes again in front of Snape, but he doesn't take the bait. So Delatrix slams the door in her face and the drumming continues. And then she goes back to her cabin to call the sheriff for a noise complaint. The sheriff, who's a handsome purple unicorn, arrives pretty quickly, but no one hears the sheriff knock on the cabin because of the drums. Snape and the sheriff end up becoming pals once they know that he's there. And she's like, my plan backfired. That was a terrible mistake. Do you think the unicorn cop is a callback to the unicorn butt cops? <gasps> oh my gosh. Could be. Absolutely. I totally fucking forgot about the unicorn butt cop. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Has to be. That was such a violent little story. <laughs> After Snape and the sheriff finish talking, the sheriff makes his way to her door and lets her know that Snape said he would be quiet now with a warning and if they give her any more trouble to call him. Once he leaves, she tries to go back to work but can't, so she decides to get some food in town and some fresh air. She picks one of the few restaurants in town called Captain Orion's Cove and it's a seafood place and the waitress is really nice. The waitress is named Gobby. <laughs> <laughs> And they make small talk about city folk coming into town and a huge ass of a Parasaurolophus, too, that no one seems to like. But the waitress lets her know that he's actually pretty nice when you get to know him and get through the asshole vibe. She almost breaks down, saying that he tips very well, especially when he learned that her daughter is sick, but then she snaps out of it and takes Harriet's order and walks away. Harriet gets her lunch and leaves, tipping as generously as she can, and when she gets to her car, she's completely shocked. All four of her tires are slashed. She left her wand on her desk, so she literally has no way to fix them. She goes back to the restaurant and asks Gobby to take her information down for the auto repair guy. And if there's a taxi, there's no taxis. So she walks home and uses the time to try to do some work and think about new spells. And two hours into the walk, a car slows down next to her and it's Delatrix asking where she's headed because she shouldn't be out in such fancy shoes. Fuck you, I don't know what her problem is with shoes. I think she's just jealous because she has tires. Yeah, you just have tires. (laughs) I hated Delatrix's whole story. So much. Yeah. I hate her. (laughs) I said give input. You can like... Oh, you want my input? Yeah. Well, I thought she was a motorcycle, not a car. (laughs) (laughs) She is a motorcycle. Whoa. I heard a car pulled up. Okay. Well, because the motorcycles are driving a car. What? Obviously. Yeah, they drive the fancy yellow car. Of course I do. (laughs) I cannot picture them, like, driving it, though. Can you guys? No. Yeah, handlebars. They have arms. What the fuck? Why are they a motorcycle? (laughs) Didn't you look at the cover? Yeah, but they only showed the front wheel or whatever. And then... Does she have an arm? Her arms are head. I don't think she has arms. She turns to say something to them and they speed off. The rest of her walk home is fueled by rage and she's tempted to go to the cabin and yell at them but decides against it. When she's about to go into her cabin, she hears a soft guitar playing somewhere and she snaps and it says, that's enough with the noise. I'm going to go see what's going on. She finds Snape sitting on the dock and approaches him, grabbing the guitar from his hands and throwing it into the water. He gets up and goes to a boat and grabs another guitar from it and starts playing. She doesn't want to admit that it's actually 
a beautiful piece of art and it makes her anger go down a little bit. He asks if she likes the music and she nods. He gets up to press a button so he can record the soundtrack. She asks him just how rich he is and he says, I'm pretty rich, but I didn't earn it. I was written into rich by Chuck Tingle. (laughs) You can't just be a bad boy. You got to be a bad boy billionaire when you're being written about. That's true. We've never even seen a bad boy millionaire. It's always a bad boy billionaire. That's true. She tells him it must be nice, but not everyone is rich enough to buy new tires when all four of theirs get slashed. He seems genuinely confused by this, so she tells him that he should just go talk to Delatrix. He jumps up asking what happened, so she tells him, and he genuinely seems sorry and that he'll talk to them, and if they did end up slashing her tires, he'll send them packing. She's really surprised by him being so nice and apologizes for throwing his guitar in the water, and he tells her that she can repay him by going on a date with him. She says, no thank you and goes back to her cabin her phone vibration wakes her up and it's minerma she didn't realize she slept in so late and she's calling to see if harriet made any progress on spells harriet tells her it's been one whole day so no she has not done anything yet and she's been dealing with the asshole next door minerma automatically knows it's snape because they grew up spending their summers there and they were best friends back then oh minerma and snape little besties bffs Harriet says that he's changed and he's a total dick now. But Minerva's like, you actually might have a lot more in common than you think. He is also trans. And she admits that he asked her on a date and Minerva says, you should go for it. They could talk spellcraft and... Harriet says, okay, maybe I'll think about it. And then they hang up. She makes her morning chocolate milk, which we learn is like booze. Everyone in this book drinks chocolate milk and they're just <laughs> fucked up all the time. I know. Yes. Because so when I read this, she's making her morning chocolate milk in a bowl of spaghetti. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Bitch, what <laughs> are you making? That sounds disgusting. Honestly, I think I would do that for breakfast. Chocolate milk and spaghetti? Yeah, I think I would. It's like similar to, I feel like, if you have like pizza in the morning, you know, leftover pizza? Yeah. So have some spaghetti. Yeah, it's Italian. (laughs) Similar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) She starts her laptop up and then there's a loud knock at the back door. It's Delatrix and Harriet asks what she wants and she wants to talk, but Harriet can see that she is very drunk and tells her to just go home. Delatrix freaks out saying that she was here first with Snape and with him for way longer, so Harriet needs to back off of him. Harriet's like, I'm not very interested, but he did ask me on a date and I think I'm gonna go. Bitch. She then asks if Delatrix and Bray are both dating Snape and this pisses Delatrix off saying that they aren't dating. She calls the shots with everything that has to do with Snape and then Harriet says okay and shuts the door. All he's doing is riding. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. She gets back to work and before she knows it she actually has incantations that turn into spell sequences and then actual instructions. She knows it's going to be a long spell but she thinks it's maybe the best one she's ever created. She thinks that with this new spell Snape might actually find what he's searching for and will stop being a jerk which reminds her to go have a word with him so she heads to his cabin when she hears a loud crack in the trees she goes to investigate and sees snabe chopping wood she tells him that she's surprised he's up early since delatrix was out so late he said that he went to bed early and she tells him that he's being a real gentleman by chopping wood for them but he's not a gentleman he's a bad boy yeah, bad boy Paris Sorolla. He's like that guy on TikTok that chops wood. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's all right. Mm. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm. <laughs> he's no Paris Herolophus. Have you seen the one where he takes his belt off? Yes. Oh, she's seen them all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that one's all right, too. Okay. <laughs> He's kind of ugly, huh? <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen the one where he jerks off on the wood? Shut what? It's his OnlyFans. I'm going to Google it. Does he have an OnlyFans? Yes. He does? You don't see the charge every month? He's... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, what? Harriet says, not according to Minerma, he's actually supposed to be very sweet. This makes him pause and he demands how she knows Minerma. And Harriet's like, that's my spellcraft agent. They stand in silence for a moment when she finally says that she would like to talk about Wizard's Block over dinner later if he wants. And he says, okay, he'll pick her up at seven. When he picks her up in a shirt, she's very surprised because he is always shirtless. With a body like that, why wouldn't he be? He shows her to the new black jaguar that he bought today, and then they head into town, and he picks Captain Orion's co for their dinner date. He plays her a song on the way over that's supposed to change her eye color for an hour, but it doesn't work, so she automatically thinks that he's messing with her, and she tells him to play it again so they can see what happens. Again, nothing happens, and she makes fun of him, but they both end up laughing over it. Little cuties. She tells him to make more like the one from the dock because it was beautiful, and he says that he can't finish that one and has been able to for years they talk about how she was able to make her last hit spell and how hard it is but they both need to keep trying when they arrive at the restaurant they go inside gobby is excited to see them both there together gobby i cannot (laughs) she seats them at a romantic type table and lets them look over their menus the restaurant is packed and some of the patrons are being rude to gobby because they've had too much chocolate milk (laughs) it makes snape mad and want to go punch them and when it escalates to one of them grabbing gobby he does just that and he goes over there and beats the crap out of him what a bad boy yeah bad boy oh my gosh protecting gobby protect gobby at all costs yeah Yeah. he tells gobby to put their tab on his and he'll pay for it harriet tells him that violence is not a turn-on for her and he says it's not supposed to be he's the bad boy character and she really should be avoiding him he'd make a really bad boyfriend i mean at least he was up front with her also i don't remember him asking yeah (laughs) he does give a disclaimer where he's like just so you know if this were not a book and it were in fact real life our relationship would never work out because i'm an asshole yeah so don't date anyone like me in real life such a kind man dinosaur i don't like kind dinosaur (laughs) she tells him to turn those angry feelings into art and spell crafting and he says it's just easier to be a bad boy she grabs his hand and holds it and it's electric between the two their food arrives and they dig in and he says that she doesn't seem to like him because she keeps pulling away from him and she's like you already have two girlfriends Delatrix and Braco, the creature says with a laugh, <laughs> rolling his eyes. They're not my girlfriends. Those are my motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I ride those. <laughs> well, that's not my girlfriend. That's my motorcycle. That is my vehicle. That is how I get from point A to point B. <laughs> She says it's fine he's into it, but she's done it before and she doesn't want to be into it again. He tells her that he'll send them home tomorrow. And she says if he did that, she would consider a second date. And then suddenly, Braco is interrupting their dinner and says that they need to leave. Delatrix is in the hospital and needs him. Fuck you. Harriet, Snape, and Braco get to the hospital and find a pale-looking Delatrix in bed with an ice pack over a gash on her head, and Braco explains that she fell off the dock into the water and Braco had to pull her out. Dr. Abreso tells them that her skull is fine, as are her tires, brake pads, and engine, but she has a concussion and she needs to rest. Hey, your tires look great. <laughs> Everything's checking out. Immaculate. Harriet is like... 
aren't you supposed to not sleep with a concussion? And the doctor's like, yeah, for humans, but she's a motorcycle, so it's different. <laughs> she's fine. <laughs> she's a vehicle. <laughs> you don't know anything about vehicle medicine, so just pipe down. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Harriet can't help but realizing that the motorcycles are being awfully dramatic about what just happened, and Snape doesn't seem to notice and seems to be really concerned for both of them. Snape leans down to hug Delatrix, and Delatrix looks over his shoulder at Harriet, giving her a smug smile. Such a twat. She's yeah. a twat. Somebody needs to flush her coolant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put some sugar in her gas tank. Yeah. yeah. The doctor clears Delatrix to go home and tells Snape to keep her warm and give her lots of oil and make sure there's air in her tires <laughs> she needs to rest in bed for a couple of days delatrix rides home with snabe and harriet is stuck with Braco in the stupid yellow car super annoyed a few days later harriet still doesn't have an incantation ready for minerma but she wants to leave the island she hasn't heard from snabe since the hospital she decides to go for a hike to clear her head and when she's out in the middle of nowhere she hears a branch snap behind her and she turns to see snabe what are you doing snabe he looks gorgeous as ever and says that he knows that she's mad at him. But she changes the subject and asks how Delatrix is. And Snape tells her that she's okay, but she's not doing as well as she should be. And Harriet is not even a little bit surprised. She's just milking it. Mm-hmm. He thanks her for her advice the other night about channeling frustration into spellcraft and says he's almost finished the acoustic song. He puts a flash drive in her hand and tells her it's a rough draft. And he's calling the song Moonbeamus Metamalium. Beautiful. It's going to do really well on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys heard that song? I can't say it, but here, here it is. <laughs> she thanks him and asks if that's it. And suddenly the sexual tension is thick. And he says, I don't know, is it? And she asks what he's waiting for and kisses him. Her hands start to explore his sexy dinosaur body. <laughs> <laughs> And she asks him what she's doing, and he says, taking what you want. She peels off his shirt and takes hers off as well, setting her glasses on a tree stump, because obviously she wears glasses. She's Harriet Porber. Yeah. She pushes him to sit on a fallen tree trunk, pulling his pants down and frees his cock. Suddenly, Snape's enormous member has erupted out into my face, a dark green strap-on with a thickness unlike anything I have ever seen. It's so enormous that it actually startles me. Staring down this bardic python as it sways in the fresh forest air. Before we go any farther, this is my cock, the dinosaur informs me. Don't call it a strap-on. Don't even think of it as a strap-on. This is my dick, understood? You've got a huge cock, I reply with a smile. <laughs> I open wide and take Snape's dick between my lips, bobbing my head up and down across his length, while the dinosaur above me moans loudly, his voice echoing out across the woods. <laughs> what is, um, what is bardic? I don't know. Bardic python? Well, he's a bard, so maybe it has something to do with music, because it's like dancing in the breeze. Oh, okay. Snape is clearly enjoying himself, but he pushes her off of him and says she's too good to him, and now it's his turn to be good to her. She says, how's he going to be good if he's such a bad boy? And he says that he'll try for her. Snape pulls her shorts down and picks her up for a little reverse piggyback action. We had reverse piggyback action a few weeks ago, and it, that is wild to me. Yeah, no. Is that yes. what it's called? Just picking somebody up? Is it just reverse <laughs> no. piggyback? No, it's like well, reverse would flipped, right? Yeah, so like instead of... The their legs going over your shoulders from the front, they go back, so they you just got junk in your face. 
Yeah. We have a different definition of piggyback, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> you can touch it, I explain, and you can suck it, but call it what it is. Not a dick. That's my clit. My legs <laughs> over both of Snape's scaly green shoulders. I now find him with his face buried deep in my crotch. The man's wet tongue softly lapping across my most sensitive areas. Oh my god, I gasp. My face flushed red from the incredible sensations that are pulsing <laughs> through my body. Snape appears to know exactly what he's doing. Alternating between long, slow sucks and a series of staccato flicks from the tip of his tongue. He somehow knows exactly how my body is going to react, pushing me forward and then pulling me back in a never-ending series of tension and release. I grab the back of his head and pull him even closer, desperately running my fingers through the dinosaur's long, dark hair. (laughs) (laughs) He has long, dark hair. Harriet feels herself getting closer to orgasm and screams, oh my gods, as she comes down Snape's throat. He lowers her and asks if she can go longer. Sexualis secondi. (laughs) (laughs) Sexualis seconda secundis. I announce proudly, waving my wand in the air. The two of us watch as my clit begins to swell again. Incredible, Snape remarks with a grin. That's not my ass, though, I begin. I know, the Parasolophilus offers, cutting me off. You don't even need to say it. That's her pussy! Moments later, Snape lowers me down, impaling my body across his mammoth shaft. The first thing that strikes me is the incredible feeling of fullness. I've been with plenty of men before, but but never had their member fit so perfectly within my pussy. If I was any less aroused, in fact, it might be too tight. But in this state of belligerent lust, the insertion is exactly what it should be. Exactly (laughs) what it should be. As they fuck, she knows this is more than just sex and feels incredibly close to Snape and thinks he probably feels the same way too. They come at the same time and afterwards Snape tells her that was incredible. They share an embrace, but Harriet tells him nothing has changed and she's not interested in being a part of his little motorcycle gang and he says that he knows. She asks if he cares and he says that he does. They walk back to their houses and when they get back to the clearing, they see Braco and Delatrix outside waiting for them. Harriet says loud enough for the motorcycles to hear that she can't wait to listen to the song spell and goes inside her house. She's feeling happy and inspired and begins working on her incantations but can't get Snape and their complicated relationship out of her mind. She decides to listen to Snape's song so she plugs in the USB and the song is absolutely beautiful. The spell starts to work and she sees lines of black and when she looks closer, there are words describing everything going on around her. And this is meta magic. Meta. The song ends and she has to wipe a tear from her eye. She spends the rest of the day writing and later that night she's written 15,000 words and goes to bed exhausted. That night she's awoken by the sound of someone in her cabin, but when she checks, the whole house is empty. So she goes back to sleep. She wakes up in the morning in a great mood and makes herself a mug of chocolate milk. She heads down to the beach to look for sea glass, but when she gets there, Snape is waiting for her and he's pissed. He says the song spell was for her ears only and asks how she could do this to him. It was leaked to the entire world and now it's making a mockery of seven inch nails because it's unfinished and on every wizarding blog. She swears she didn't leak it and tells him she thought she heard someone in her cabin last night and says that Delatrix must have stolen it. Snape isn't buying it and says she's just jealous of Delatrix. Harriet lashes out and says having anything to do with him was a huge mistake. It's Snape says, cool, let's never talk again and storms off to his cabin. 
the drama. Yeah. What do you have to say they about it? a lot of drama. Well, I don't understand why the Wizarding World hates it. She loved it, so it because can't be that bad. rough and unfinished. And they're already a world-renowned band. Yeah, it's not yeah. seven-inch nails. The finished stuff is... We're not going to get in. <laughs> Harriet stays on the beach thinking to herself that this is a good thing because Snape has always been a bad boy and is never going to change. And now she can go find never. her glass. Yeah. <laughs> she walks back to her cabin, but something catches her eye at the dock. She goes to investigate and sees a bloody oar, and now she knows that Delatrix never fell into the water. She hit herself in the face with an oar to manipulate Snape. That fucking hoe. She decides not to show Snape the evidence because he can't see Delatrix for the psycho she truly is and throws it into the ocean. A few days later, Harriet is on the phone with Minerma after sending her new incantation over, and Minerma is gushing about how the publishers are thrilled about a spell to give the user exactly what they need, but asks if it'll work because it seems very abstract. Harriet assures her that she's confident it will after she works out some of the kinks. Minerma asks when she can get the official spell parchment so they can officially test it out, and Harriet says that she's not in the right headspace to finalize the spell just yet, and Minerma asks her if she fucked Snape. She says she did, but it didn't end well, and now she's not sure if or when she can finish up the spell. Harriet asks for an advance so she can get out of the cabin and finish up the parchment away from Snape, and Minerma says she'll get the money sent over as soon as possible. A while later, she's in her new cabin on the island, a little further away from the old one, but she can't seem to keep on working. She's got writer's block again, or wizard's block. And think about it, like having to come up with these like spells and things like that. I feel like it would be so hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially under pressure. Yeah, you could just pull a spell out of your ass, mm-hmm. Andrew. Mm-hmm. Do it okay. right now. News to me, I've been with you for 10 years. Uh, I got you. Aww. What a little sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> She's on her way to eat at the restaurant after trying to work when a seven-inch nail song comes on over the speakers in the car. She reaches for the knob and turns it up and sings along. She pulls up to the restaurant to see it's been cleared out and there are no tables and only a stool and a microphone set up and Gobby tells her they're trying out an open mic night. All of a sudden, Snape steps up to the mic, clearing his throat, and Gobby brings out a plate with Harriet's usual foods on it and Snape starts on a monologue into the mic about how he's a bad boy but somehow still nervous in front of Harriet. He starts to sing a song he wrote called Harriet Metamalium and it's the same song as before but more refined find and beautiful. She starts to cry and when the song is over, he says he'd love to play more songs, but he has dinner plans. He walks up to Harriet and asks if he can sit and apologize and she says sure. He tells her he's sober off the chocolate milk and the motorcycles are gone. (laughs) (laughs) I got rid of the motorcycles. I haven't touched chocolate milk in days. (laughs) (laughs) he knows delatrix was the one who leaked the song and she confesses to him that she hasn't been inspired to write since their little falling out and she says she's sorry about what delatrix did and he says it's fine because if she didn't what would have been their third act breakup i mean true yeah even though we hate a third act breakup i fucking hate a third act breakup they're the worst Mm. the worst He says the track went viral and everyone wants to hear it finished, so it was a blessing in disguise. He brings her back to his cabin after dinner, and she looks around admiring all of his furniture. Hanging on the wall are banners from his old fraternity at Bardic College, emblazoned with the symbol of a lizard. Did you bring in all this furniture yourself, I question, stepping inside? Snape nods. I had someone do it for me, but I helped pick out a lot of the stuff from my old magic frat back in college. Lizarded. That's why I'm a Parasaurolophilus in the book. Get it? I don't get it. <laughs> a lizard. He's in Lizardin, like Slytherin. Oh, get it? Nice. 
thought it was funny, so I highlighted it. (laughs) Went right over his head. Right over his head. He brings her to his studio and asks her to sing some backup vocals. And it's literally just her repeating her own name over and over again. Like she's like, Harriet. (laughs) Harriet, Harriet. He's like, <laughs> yeah, beautiful. This is my shit. Bard. <laughs> she says she's nervous, and so he strips down and says it helps to picture your audience naked. He asks if it helped, and she shakes her head, so he's like, maybe you should get naked too. She thinks they're going to fuck, but he's serious, and they record their song. He tells her that was amazing <laughs> and leans down to kiss her. Down below, I can feel Snape's cock pushing against my hip. I reach down and rip Snape's thick rod between my slender fingers. A soft gasp escapes the Parasolophilus' lips and he reels from my gentle touch, craving even more, but forced to be patient as I dole out the pleasure to him gradually. I start to pump my hand up and down across Snape's length. Snape begins to play with my most sensitive areas in return, gently stroking me in a series of perfectly executed movements. It's as though the man knows me better than I know myself pacing himself with incredible accuracy. My face flushed red. I'm forced to stop stroking Snape's rod, much too focused on my own (laughs) blossoming pleasure. With each passing second, I'm becoming even more consumed by warm, aching sensation. Eventually, Snape pushes me back, positioning my body on one of the large guitar amps. I sit on the sturdy black cabinet, my legs spread open as the muscular musician kneels down before me. He begins to suck me, immediately getting to work with his mouth as I lean back against the wall behind me. She comes hard and tells him that was amazing, and he asks if she wants more. She says she doesn't have her wand to cast Sexualis Secondus. But he says she doesn't need it. I glance down and notice that I'm already getting hard again on nothing but sheer arousal. No magic needed. I want you inside my pussy, though, I tell him. (laughs) Snape flips her around and thrusts into her. Snape quickly gets to work pumping in and out of me. His parasolophilus mannerisms much more wild and animalistic than the encounter we had before. He's getting lost in the moment, consumed by desire as he passionately takes me from behind. Meanwhile, I'm bracing myself against the amp, gazing back over my shoulder at Snape and loving every second of it. Somehow, despite the speed of his movements, Snape still manages to hit me in just the right way, aligning his cock so that the pleasure it provides is uncontainable. It doesn't take long for me to explode with orgasm yet again, screaming out wildly as every part of my body swells with a second helping of pleasure. This time, however, Snape reaches climax (laughs) along with me. (laughs) (laughs) He reads it so matter-of-factly. You should do audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not much of a reader, clearly. You get people all horned up. Mm-mm. I have a terrible <laughs> voice. <laughs> Snape and Harriet make their relationship official and bring his studio into her cabin. They each write spells feeling very inspired by each other, fuck all the time, and go to dinner at the restaurant often. Things go well like this for a while when one day Harriet opens the front door to find a dead, three-headed fox lying on the porch. She can't help but thinks it looks like it was hit by a car or a motorcycle. Or two. <gasps> a motorcycle with arms in hair and a face. No arms, we thought. No, she has arms. But no shoes. She has arms. She drives a car. She has to have arms. She I has swear arms. you guys said there were no arms earlier. <laughs> no, on the cover. <laughs> oh, of course. I was going to say, that bitch has arms. That motorcycle has arms. (laughs) 
Later that night, they head to the restaurant, and while Snape is driving, he realizes that the brakes have been cut and he can't stop the car. He uses a chanting spell to slow the car as much as possible, but they still crash into a tree, and it seems the passenger side airbag was disengaged, so Harriet takes the full impact. A chanting spell? Yeah, like he's, he's like, just like stop, slow down, stop, slow please, down, stop. slow down. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't have his wand. Snape carries her sore body back up to the cabin. They call the unicorn police, but there's nothing to be done without actual evidence. Snape calls his old woolly mammoth bodyguard to the island and makes her some dinner while she's resting in bed. She asks him if he's her boyfriend, and he says, yeah, he's her boyfriend, so now they're official. Which, like, I thought they were already official, but they make it, like, double official. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. She wakes up the next morning and her and Snape share a big glass of chocolate milk and the woolly mammoth shows up. His name is Bumbleborn. (laughs) And he'll be be watching Harriet while Snape goes to do a Seven Inch Nails concert in Dublin. He introduces himself to Harriet and immediately lets her know that he's gay. And she's like, that's cool. (laughs) Bumbleborn gives her a little warning about Snape always being a bad boy at heart. I thought we were done with all that bad boy romance trope stuff. It's toxic, remember? A wave of deep emotional weight suddenly crosses my boyfriend's face as he turns to me, staring deep into my eyes. I'm never entirely done with this stuff. It's part of me. And the second that I tell myself I'm done trying is the second it all comes back. That's just how romance novels work. Do you understand? I shake my head. Maybe this doesn't have to be a romance novel. Maybe it can be a fantasy. It's Chuck Tingle, Snape offers, even though there's going to be plenty of meta commentary letting you know his opinions on this toxic trope it's still probably going to be a little bit of both i'm sorry (laughs) it's just the way it is Bumbleborn goes to secure the perimeter and Harriet tells Snape she wishes she could be at the concert and he tells her that once they start touring, he wants her to come on the road with him and she excitedly agrees. It's the next day and Harriet is already feeling so much better. So she calls Snape and tells him she wants to go to the big show. He tells her, no, no, you must rest. She tells him it's the big comeback and that it's her spell song. He tells her she'll get to hear that song for the rest of her life and she's like, so you don't want me there. And he tells her, no, he does, but he's trying to be responsible and make the right choice. The old him would have said, yeah, fuck the doctor's advice, but he's a changed man. Snape tells her he's got a Wizards of the World interview and he's got to run. They end the phone call and Harry asks Bumbleborn if he'd like to go for a walk. He asks her if she's sure she's up for it and she said she'd like to try. As they make their way down the hill, Bumbleborn tells her she's done a good thing getting that dinosaur to settle down and that he didn't think it was possible. He tells her he has a really good thing buried deep underneath all that bullshit and he just hopes it's and Harriet asks him why wouldn't it stick and Bumbleborn tells her he's just running his mouth Snape is a good guy and to just keep an eye on him as they are strolling down the hill they approach the site of the big crash broken glass still scattered along the pavement the tree they hit still standing Harriet observes it and says still standing just like me I don't know why but I laughed at that part (laughs) just like me just like me wouldn't you have seen the tree fall over when they hit it But then it wouldn't have been like a powerful moment for her. Yeah, she needed that moment. I just thought it was so funny. She's like, just like me. Yeah, it's a fucking tree. (laughs) Bubbleborn asks her if she'd like to keep walking, and she says, just a bit further. Then she sees it, big black words splattered across the pavement and the smell of motor oil. Motorcycle oil. Tonight's the (gasps) night. P.S. Nice magic eyes, it reads. Bubbleborn pulls his wand from his belt, keeping an eye on their surroundings. They now know Delatrix has been watching them. Bubbleborn tells her they're going to get the car and they will not be staying in the cabin tonight. Try saying 
seen Bumbleborn several fucking times. <laughs> As they're walking back to the cabin, Harriet pulls out her phone and calls Snape. She tells him she's coming to see him tonight and he tells her it's fine and they already talked about this. Harriet tells him about Delatrix and that she knows about the eyes. She knows everything. The eyes are like Bumbleborn's security system that he set up. So she's mm. like, I fucking know. Yes. I thought it was about like when he was trying to change her eyes earlier. I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, it's about little Bumby. Little Bumby boy. Also, I don't know about you guys, but I thought I got like a little cute vibe from him. Little Bumbleborn. Bumbleborn? Yeah. Cute little mammoth. Maybe, yeah. Snape agrees that she needs to get off the island. Bumbleborn tells them there are no flights to Dublin left. And Snape tells her Braco is taking the boat to the show and that they can ride with her. And Harriet is absolutely floored by this. She's like, Braco the motorcycle? Delatrix's friend? Snape's ex? Why was she even going to the show in the first place yeah honestly i'd be pissed yeah when harriet wasn't even supposed to go fuck you red flag what are you doing with braco (laughs) your old motorcycle riding (laughs) you gonna ride her snape tells her braco is getting off the chocolate milk just like him and that she has no idea where delatrix is and they were never really friends harriet tells him she just doesn't know how to react to this and snape apologizes and tells her braco asked if she could go and he told her to take the boat braco knows how to drive the boat and he asks if harriet knows how she does it and snape asks if bumbleborn knows how and bumbleborn scoffs and says do i look like i know how to drive a boat i grew up in iowa hell no i don't know how to drive a boat (laughs) but the motorcycle knows how to drive a boat yeah beats me and snape says exactly harriet agrees they can ride with braco and snape tells her he'll give her a call the sun is setting as harriet and bumbleborn pull up to the beach and he tells her everything is going to be okay as they get out the car they see braco rolling towards them with a confused look on her face braco calls for harriet and asks if she's all right harriet tells her not really and braco hugs her in a warm embrace braco says so who's this nodding towards Bumbleborn. And as soon as, like, Braco saw them, she, like, looked, she just kept, like, peeking at Bumbleborn and being like, what the fuck is he doing here? Mm. And that's when I got mm, red flags. Red flags, right? From Braco? Right, baby? Red flags. Or from Bumbleborn? Braco. Red flags. Yep, there it is. Red flag, everybody. (laughs) Harriet tells her who he is, and Braco asks if he's just dropping her off, and Bumbleborn tells her he will not be leaving Harriet's side. Braco asks if Snape is okay with this, and Harriet tells her Snape is the one who sent him so yeah he's okay with it. Braco asks if she really thinks it's necessary and that Delatrix is just making threats and she's not really gonna hurt her and Harriet tells her well actually she already tried to kill her and Braco seems actually taken aback by this she tells her Delatrix cut the brakes on Snape's car and they could have died again Braco's super shocked and doesn't seem to know anything about this. Bumbleborn interjects and tells them it's time to get going. What do you think so far? Of what? The whole thing. The book. What do you think of the book? You'll get my thoughts at the end. Okay. I want to know you now. Don't judge a book by the first three-fourths of it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Braco climbs onto the boat first and Harriet hands her her bag with her wand in it. Take note of that. Take note of that. Put it up in that little mm-hmm. brain of yours. Mm-hmm. Wanded. <laughs> 
Braco tosses the bag in the cabin, but Harriet isn't worried because she's got Bumbleborn by her side. Braco takes her place at the steering wheel and they set off. As they take off, a wave of relief settles over Harriet. She takes a seat by Bumbleborn at the back of the boat. She tells Bumbleborn he's been a good friend and he tells her that's what he's there for. She asks him if he trusts Braco and he tells her not really, but he doesn't trust anyone. He knows it's hard for Snape to give up on people that are making an effort to change and Harriet understands that and just hopes Snape is right about her. Harriet takes a deep breath and stares out across the ocean, taking note of the debris and driftwood floating in the sea. Harriet tells Bumbleborn she's really excited for the show, and just when Bumbleborn goes to speak, his eyes locked on something over her shoulder. Before she can turn around to see what it is, a loud blast of magical energy and flame shoots into Bumbleborn's chest. Immediately, blood starts to spurt from his chest. He tries to fumble no. for his wand, but loses consciousness. Bumbleborn, no! no. Bumbleborn! Bumbleborn! It's Little just Bumbleborn. like the real books. Harriet turns around to see Delatrix with her arm outstretched, tightly holding a wand. Delatrix looks absolutely insane. Her hair, a wild mess, and makeup smeared across her face. And it says that, like, her makeup looks like she had been, like, crying repeatedly, and after every time she cried, she would, like, put makeup on over it. (laughs) That was, like, disgusting. (laughs) Braco screams and asks Delatrix what the fuck she's doing. Delatrix yells at Braco to slow the boat down. Braco is flustered and trembling with fear, and Delatrix screams at her again to slow the boat. Braco does as she's told and slows the boat, and Delatrix says, surprise, with a smile and giving Harriet a wink. Braco says, you said you were just going to scare her, and Delatrix says, well, she looks pretty scared to me. Braco starts to panic and is freaking out about going to jail, and Delatrix tells her they won't be going to jail if there's no witnesses, and this makes Harriet's heart skip a beat. Harriet starts to scan the boat and remembers Bumbleborn's wand, but doesn't think she could get to it quick enough. She notices a net attached to the side of the boat, but the straps to undo it are too confusing. Bumbleborn suddenly groans, and Braco says, thank God, he's still alive. And Delatrix says, don't get too excited, he has a wand. Delatrix lifts her wand and points it at his back, and Braco tells her not to shoot him. She'll get his wand. As Braco goes to get the wand from underneath Bumbleborn, she gives Harriet what seems to be an apologetic look. Braco gets his wand, and Delatrix tells her to throw it overboard. Braco hesitates, and Harriet mutters under her breath, do it. Delatrix hears her and says, don't you dare say another word. Delatrix tells Braco again to throw it overboard, and Braco does. Delatrix thanks her and tells her she's making this really hard on her as she raises her wand and shouts out a staccato incantation, firing three bolts into Braco. Braco cries and tumbles to the deck, a pool of motor oil growing larger. That part actually did make me very sad. (laughs) I will say. Braco had it coming. She wasn't that bad. Can I just say, terrible bodyguard who leaves their wand anywhere besides on them. It was on him. I thought she said she had to go get it. No, like, she ha- wanted to get it, but ah. it's, he, it's under, I, sh- I should have said how he fell. No, it's fine. He fell on his wand. He fell so on his wand. So she couldn't get it. Yes. Delatrix then points her wand at Harriet, and Harriet says, don't, you can't just kill me like this. And Delatrix tells her, oh, she's not going to shoot her. She's been in love with Snape Resmore for a long time and has followed that band of bards for years, her entire life revolving around that dinosaur. Harriet tells her she didn't realize she was so in love with him, and this pisses Delatrix off even more. Delatrix tells her for all the torture she's put her through, Harriet deserves to be dragged down into the deep, dark, ice-cold ocean, struggling to break free like she struggles every day that her and Snape are apart. 
Oh my god, oh, the drama. Whatever. Delatrix then grabs a weighted fishing net, and Harry asks her if she really thinks Snape will want to be with her, a killer. And Delatrix says Braco's the killer, remember? And that eventually Snape will try to move past all this tragedy with a little mindless love from a familiar body. Delatrix drags the weighted net over and throws it in front of Harriet and tells her to get to the edge of the boat. Harriet does as she's told. At this point, she feels very defeated, but suddenly it hits her. She grabs her phone and Delatrix laughs and says, you can't call the police out here. No service. And Harriet is like, you got me. Delatrix tells her she should throw her phone overboard too. And Harriet says, okay, with a smile and hits the button. Her Bluetooth still connected. Suddenly, loud ass music erupts through the boat. Delatrix flinches and fires her wand in the air. This was Harriet's opportunity. She lunges at Delatrix and a tussle ensues. Delatrix is revving her engine loudly, which I thought was so funny. <laughs> And she's thrashing around. Harriet stumbles backwards, her feet getting caught in the netting, taking the motorcycle with her. Delatrix is able to get the upper hand, though, and throws the net on top of Harriet. Delatrix pushes her farther back, and Harriet is now at the edge of the boat, with Delatrix now bending her over the edge. Delatrix just keeps shouting, he's mine, he's mine. It's this moment where Harriet is like, okay, this is it. I'm going to die. And then she notices a piece of driftwood in the water. She grips the boat with one hand and reaches to grab the wood. She's able to grab it and swings it at Delatrix's head. Delatrix stumbles back and releases the net, but Harriet doesn't stop. She swings at her again and motor oil spills everywhere. In her desperation to get away, Delatrix hits the gas hard and launches herself over the edge of the boat. Bye, bitch. Harriet stands there in utter shock. The piece of wood in her hand was actually an oar, the same paddle from their beach. Could fate have allowed some inconspicuous piece of wood to finally finish the job it started? Bumbleborn groans, and Harriet tells him not to worry. They're going to get him help as the Irish Coast Guard approaches. They weren't able to make it to Dublin, so they're in a little port town called Bray. They're in the hospital, and Bumbleborn has stabilized and is healing. Snabe appears in the doorway and Harriet hurries to him and throws her arms around him. He tells her he's so sorry, and she tells him she loves him. He tells her he loves her too, and they kiss. Bumbleborn clears his throat and says, can't you do that somewhere else? I'm trying to sleep. Snape rushes to his side and asks if he's okay, and Bumbleborn tells him, yeah, thankfully Harriet was there to save him. And Snape says, Braco? Harriet shakes her head, and he asks if it was Delatrix, and she says, they never found her body. She sunk like a rock. Yeah, because she's a fucking motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> She sunk like a motorcycle. Snape said he's glad she's okay, and Bumbleborn basically kicks them out. So they find themselves a nice little private hospital room that they sneak into. Snape tells her again how sorry he is, and he'll do whatever he can to make it up to her. And Harriet says, promise? And Snape nods and says, well, this is what... Oh my fucking god. And Snape nods and says, well, this is the end of the book. So yeah, you can trust me. And Harriet says, well, let's get started. They begin to make out, and Snape pushes Harriet. It to the bed. The handsome Parasolophilus unbuttons my jeans and strips them away from my skin, exposing my bare legs to the cool air. He reaches up and takes a hold of my panties neck, slowly sliding them down as my arousal reaches its absolute peak. I am aching for his touch, craving it like nothing I've ever desired before. Fortunately, Snape doesn't make me wait long. The dinosaur grabs me with his muscular arms and pulls me over to the edge of the bed, then climbs down onto his knees before me. He looks up and smiles 
claws, then dives in hungrily. (laughs) (laughs) Get in that pussoir. Snape continues to suck her slowly, and Harriet tells him she needs him clothed. The breathtakingly handsome dinosaur stands and undoes his belt, slipping out from the last of his clothes as he climbs onto the bed with me. I pull my legs back, and Snape's muscular torso slips between, his enormous cock pushing up into me at just the right angle. I let out a startled whimper as Snape enters my pussy, not entirely prepared for his enormous size, but gradually growing accustomed to his girth. What begins as a slight discomfort soon evolves into a pleasant warmth, blossoming deep down in the pit of my stomach. Beautiful. Is it his other dick? I thought she already knew the size. It could be a different one. Yeah, maybe he switches them out. Yeah, that's true. Okay. You want to switch yours out? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. They continue to fuck passionately as Snape tells her he loves her. Before she can respond, she reaches climax and screams, Oh my god, it's like the 4th of July. (laughs) (laughs) They finish and put their clothes on as a doctor suddenly shouts from the doorway and says, Hey, what are you doing in here? And Snape says, What does it look like we're doing? And the doctor tells him to leave. I mean, it's a crime. It, it 100% yeah. a crime. I would never. No. In a hospital? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I did once. You did? With yeah. Zachariah? Yeah, when he had rhabdo. He was like in kidney failure. Oh shit, that's right. I fucking forgot about that. Yeah. And you yeah. guys fucked in the hospital bed? Just not, just, Andrew, go away. What? <laughs> Take the headphone out. I, it's out. Take it out. It's out. <laughs> it was just a little hospital bed blowy. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, but the curtain was closed. And his roommate was asleep. Doctor's orders. <laughs> oh, he had a roommate. <laughs> yeah. And they were roommates. <laughs> what a good wife. I was just his girlfriend. But yeah, you weren't even a wife yet. Two cc's no. blowy coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I was the nurse. I'm here to help Sexy you. Sexy nurse. <laughs> Does your dick hurt? I'll make it feel better. On a scale of six to nine, how bad's the pain? (laughs) Some time has passed and Harriet is at Snape's show. She's on the side of the stage with the crew members and super fans. The crowd goes wild for Seven Inch Nails and Harriet recognizes the song. It's the track that played from her phone that fateful day on the water. Snape throws his shirt into the crowd and Minerva comes up and says he normally saves the shirt thing until song three or four, doesn't he? And Harriet says, says, yep, Minerma has also tagged along with the Seven Inch Nails on tour with Harriet. Harriet is now their agency's number one seller for the second time now. As Snape is talking to the crowd, he tells them he normally saves the song for last, but he's just too excited about it, and the crowd cheers. Snape then walks over to Harriet, offering his hand, and says, come on. And Harriet asks him what he's doing, and he says, singing your song. She takes his hand and follows him on stage. Snape offers her the stool to sit on where he would normally sit. Snape then tells the crowd how much Harriet helped him finish his song and that this spell song was for her. Snape sings the song directly to her, which I thought was so sweet. That is so nice. The arena momentarily disappears, and for a brief second, all of us understand how beautiful, unique, and important we really are. We realize our place as characters on a journey who are better at being ourselves than anyone else is, and the cosmic power that comes with that. We fully grasp that sometimes our bodies and our souls are perfectly matched, 
and sometimes they're matched in a way that's uncomfortable, but these differences speak nothing to the purity and strength of the soul itself. Beautiful. Beautiful. Touching. Harriet begins to tear up, and Snape walks over to her and kneels before her and says, Harriet, will you marry me? And she doesn't (gasps) even hesitate. She says, yes, of course. And the crowd goes wild. The end. (laughs) So, Andrew... How many red pepper emojis do you give this one? This is a one. There's very little spice. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting when I picked it. No. I really thought there would be more spice. Me too. Do you think Snape is sexy? Mm, No. (laughs) You don't? Uh Uh-uh. I just kind of picture the Jolly Green Giant, but with, (laughs) like, dinosaur features. If That's you look fair. at the cover, he's actually fucking terrifying. Yeah, he's yeah, not Yeah, I would hot. be terrified. <laughs> no. He picked, like, the ugliest dinosaur. Yeah. He did. He did. Thanks, Chuck. With the, like, emo hair. And also, yeah. like, I just want to say, the books that are being recommended to me on my Kindle now, it's a shame. <laughs> would you trade places with Harriet? Um, no. Life, well... Her job seems too stressful. You don't want to fight a motorcycle? (laughs) (laughs) Against it. But I don't want to fight over a man. Not a man. A dinosaur. A parasaurolophus. I don't want to fight over a parasaurolophus with a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That is fair. I got priorities. All right. Well, if you liked this episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Smut Up and Listen Podcast and on TikTok at Smut Up and Listen. Tell your friends, but not your mom. And we'll see you later, you horny little rats.